Do Good Charlotte is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Find out more at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. There's good all around us. Let's hear about it. Welcome to Do Good Charlotte on the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. I'm Pamela Escobar. In each Do Good Charlotte podcast, you will find out who's helping, who could use a helping hand, and just how you can spread around your own good. In this episode of Do Good Charlotte, we're going to meet Mara Campolongo, the co-founder and executive director of The Sandbox. When a child is diagnosed with cancer, life-altering, rare, or terminal illness, it is their mission to lock arms with people in the community to meet the practical, social, and emotional needs of families at the time of diagnosis or referral. They create opportunities for families that encourage friendships, create lasting memories, produce joyful experiences, and most importantly, restore hope. And we'll inspire you to do good, Charlotte, by the various ways you can learn more about getting involved and supporting the Sandbox. Mara, welcome to Do Good Charlotte. Thank you for having me here. We're so excited that you're here. First, let's talk about how it all started. Where did Sandbox begin? Thank you for asking. So a few years ago, more than 10 years ago, my brother, who was my older brother, and of course there was seven and a half years between us, and so there was my older brother, my sister Elena, and then myself. So Mark was, you know, my big brother. He taught me how to drive when I was 11. We drove in the pickup truck and on the snowy roads. And, and we were just, just buddies, just really good buddies. Yeah. And so my mother called me one day and said that uh, Mark was walking up a set of stairs, had a massive heart attack, and oh. was gone. Wow. And so um, they could not revive him, and Mark was gone. I spoke to him that morning. He was up on his roof fixing his roof, and just in in a moment, in, just in a heartbeat, it was it was just over. And Mark was my best friend, so I talked to him every morning. He used to call me up and say, "Hey, you know what's going on today?" And so at his life celebration, I'm from a small town in upstate New York, and. There were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. And it's a small town, so you don't expect this large, sprawling church to be crawling with people. And though I knew that my brother was the police surgeon, the fire surgeon, and and he was a caregiver because he was a physician, I knew he cared for a lot of people. But what I learned at his life celebration after two and a half hours of a receiving line... Wow was that my brother was a humble, faithful servant. And in that, hundreds of people came through that line to say, Mara, you never met me, but your brother provided medical care to my family when I lost my job. Your brother came by every week to help me with my prescriptions. Your brother came and helped my wife when... X, Y, and Z happened. And so there was story after story after story. And while I knew he was a caregiver, I didn't know the depth of his service. Right. And in that moment, I made a commitment that I would honor his legacy. And at the time, I was running a national consulting firm with a partner, and we were traveling all over the country and a little bit in the Caribbean. And it just simply didn't have the same meaning anymore. Hmm. 
Mm. You know, we were we were chasing projects and really having fun, and it was just a blast. And I just realized that life is here and now, and you need to harness that. And a friend of mine had shared with me that in times of crisis, you should serve. And our life at that time was somewhat of a perfect storm, meaning my husband and I were... We had lost a friend to cancer, I lost my brother, and my husband lost his granddaughter. So there was all this loss, and so in the midst of that, we chose to go to Levine Children's Hospital and give of ourselves and serve. And it's in the giving and the painful season that we grow the most. Yeah. And so in that time, I went to the social worker and said, hey... I run a consulting business. It's December, and I'm a terror when I don't have anything to focus on. I'll buy your hot dogs. I'll lick your envelopes. How can I help you and the families here in the oncology unit? And after she picked up her jaw off the floor, she said, Mara, there are several families in the community being evicted from their homes during the holidays. Can you help? Yes, the only answer is yes, and I'm really suitable for that. Yeah, because you are. I'm I'm very tenacious when I when I get my arms around a goal. So, I would walk around everywhere and anywhere, and any person that crossed my path, I would tell them the story of families being evicted from their homes, and even if I met them in that minute, I would ask them for a love offering, and 100 percent of those dollars were going directly to those families. Well, short story long, in 10 days, we raised $13,000, helped a bunch of families, kept them in their homes, and then also had enough funds to adopt other families during the holiday time. And in that process, my friend Brian and I realized that it was epidemic in the community and that we felt we could help. So we kept going back after the holiday season, and we'd say to the social worker, what do you need? What do the families need? And, And she would dole out the needs. And since marketing was my background, I'd put it out on social media, or I would communicate that to friends, family, or t- to a, a, a community of people who were interested. And within 24 hours, we would satisfy the need. And so that was around December of 2010. And then around the new year, we were fielding these requests, and she, the social worker introduced us to a family whose daughter, LaKendra, was at stage four brain tumor. And she wanted to have a special dinner with her family. So we contacted a chef in Uptown Charlotte, and they did a scratch menu for them. We did a red carpet, beautiful flowers. I contacted a friend who was a photographer. How old was she? She was 19. Wow. And so we we treated them to this wonderful meal, and it was a five-star meal. It was absolutely lovely, and the photos were just beautiful. And so after that dinner, Kia, the social worker, said, there are lots of families whose child has a diagnosis. It's not necessarily cancer. It's cancer. It's life-altering. There are all these diagnoses, and these families need support. They need help. They need to know that someone is out there for them, And, and, and can you help these families? And we, we got to meet more families. We got to learn about more families. And I remember one of the moms said to me, I don't want your teddy bears. 
and one. I don't really like teddy bears. <laughs> I never I thought they were kind of useless. They're cute, but I mean, they're just, they're just kind of useless. So I didn't know what she meant. And she said, sometimes people feel better when they give you a teddy bear. And she said, what I need are practical things. I haven't been home in three weeks. I've been resident here in the hospital. I need cleaning products. I need this lotion that my daughter puts on her arms after chemotherapy and it takes away the rash, et cetera, et cetera. So I filled up a love basket, brought it to her house and dropped it off. And so it was in that space that I realized that families need to be helped where they're at, however they're at for however long. They, they just need to be heard and they need to be helped from that place. And so that's what we started to do. And so how do you get from that to formalizing the name, the sandbox, and becoming this nonprofit. Well, and so what I realized is that there, when you need help, you don't really treasure going to someone saying, hey, can you help me? No. Nobody wants to say that. But people don't mind saying, hey, I need to come play in the sandbox with you. Or, hey, I think I need to come play in the sandbox. It, it, it's a word play. And when you say sandbox, it's inclusive. Um, Everyone can come, it can be positive, it can be happy. And I wanted something that was joyful, that people realized that they could be welcomed with joy. And so in that time and place, the social worker asked us if we could host an event for kids like LaKendra and all the other kids that we had met in that season. And, and she just wanted a small dance. And that small request turned into a prom that hosted 150 honorees and um, their families at that time. I have a feeling you don't do anything small. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I won't do it. You're just big, big hearted. So everything has to be big. Well, I just like, if you're going to do something, you should do it with excellence. Yes. And so I just I just have always felt that way. And and after my brother's passing, life just had a different glimpse for me. Well, I think what's special about your relationship with your brother is obviously you had that relationship with him and you knew him through your eyes. Mm -hmm. And so when you lost him, it was all of a sudden you were seeing him through everyone else's eyes. And then you take that and use that as your inspiration. I just think that's amazing. I'm grateful. You know, I people will say, oh, I'm so sorry about your brother. And, and I will say no, because he forever gave me this gift and I carry this with me. And so knowing that next year is our 10th prom and some nonprofits don't make it to that 10th year, I remain exceedingly grateful and humble that the community supports us and that and that I've been able to effectively help families. And that's it is to help families in the most difficult time mm -hmm. of their life. One of the moms had said to us, I have learned that there can be joy in the midst of sadness. When I was going to ask you, how do you think it's helped you personally through your own grief journey? Because I believe that grief is for a lifetime mm -hmm. once you lose someone that special. So how does it help you to focus on someone else and then see their joy? Well, you know, they always say that in giving, you're the one that receives the most, and, and, and that's how I feel. I feel like I'm really the blessed one, that I'm the one that has this opportunity to, to really receive the gift of meeting so many families and being a part of their life, and, and, and my team and I just really treasure this opportunity. So 
I think that in terms of my own grief, I'm always, I always feel my brother's presence. I, I always think about how would he handle the charity. In fact, the way that I modeled our care program was after how my brother practiced medicine. Okay. I was going to ask about that. Mm-hmm. So what, for people who don't know, what is CARE? Sure. So CARE stands for Caring About Real Relationships Empathetically, and it's um, a model of caring for our families that is really unprecedented. And here's what it means. It means defining what the family needs and helping them with what they need when they need it for however long they need it, even after the child passes away, if they do pass away. So, for example, we help families with cancer, with life-altering, with rare or terminal illness. And as a result of that, when a family has a child with a diagnosis, their, their life can ebb and flow, meaning it can be very steady and then it can uptick, meaning it, it can uptick and then it can become very steady. So in those gaps, in those places where it upticks and they're in crisis or it becomes a little more critical, we fill those gaps. And it could be that we're moving a family out of their home. It could be that we're putting a ramp on their home. It could be that we're running to Walmart in the middle of the night. We take joy in doing the things that are less glamorous, but so desperately needed. Well, I think the example that you used before about the cleaning supplies that's significantly more useful to a family than, than another stuffed animal. So I think that's, that shows that you're, you're meeting them where they're at. How do you get to understand where they're at? How do you meet your families or how do your families find you? And that's the unique part of care because if, if you think about it, caring about real relationships empathetically. So once a family is intaked in the sandbox, we develop a relationship with them. And I know that sounds really basic, but when you develop relationships with people, you really begin to understand. So for example, one mom has been in the sandbox with us, I think three or four years, but we learn more about her every week, every experience. And she was really sad in this one particular season. And what we learned is that she's never been able to celebrate a birthday because her son has always been resident in the hospital during birthdays, so created a mock birthday for her. (laughs) And so you learn that by having a relationship. Right. And so what's important about that is that we have tentacles in the community, meaning we build a tribe of care members that help us to reach our families. So your care members are your staff, but then also volunteers? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, and so if people are interested in participating in that, they can come to the Sandbox. That's correct. And how do they find the Sandbox? At our website, which is gotsandbox.org. Gotsandbox.org. So there's the care program, and then you also have love baskets, which you mentioned earlier, and then you also have love totes. So what's the difference between the two of those, and how, how do you put them together? So the CARE program is our umbrella to everything we do. Okay. Okay, so CARE is how we take care of our families. Anything underneath CARE is a vehicle to help our families. So it may be our prom, which is an event. It may be a love tote, and a love tote is filled with items that the family may need either in the hospital or at home. 
or it may be a family event, which is a small event where we play games and have pizza and it's just about fellowship. Or it may be a love offering to where the family may need something in particular in their home, in their life, in their journey. And every one of those items that I mentioned is a product of the care program. And the only way that we can execute well on that is one, by defining their needs, and two, by developing that relationship. So it drives everything we do. And when you say we, who's we? Who, who, because you, you're a co-founder, so you said Brian is the other co-founder? Brian is the other co-founder. I have a director of operations, and her name is Wendy Becker. And I have a care manager, and her name is Kathy Jacobson. And then I have a content manager, and her name is Andrea Jasmine. And then I have a leadership board, and a leadership board are the hands and feet of the sandbox. And those are folks that help us to secure care partners, to help us with our events, to help us with fundraising. And then I have a group of folks called go-getters. And go-getters, go get it. And they volunteer when they can, however they can. So it's like a low-pressure way of volunteering. Some people say, hey, I, I want to deliver a meal, or I want to do something once a month, or I want to do something once a year. And so they go on the go-getter list, and when requests come in, we push them out to our volunteers, our go-getters, and they help when they can. There's another program. It's called the Ordinary Angels Award, and I know based on the website that the deadline for that's coming up. Mm-hmm. Explain what that means. So um, early in my career, I was an investigative reporter, oh, okay. and, and I really loved telling people stories, and I, I take great joy in that because I enjoy storytelling, but mostly I enjoy celebrating people, and so I find that there's so many people in our community that are unsung heroes, that live a life of compassion, that are selfless and giving. And are not recognized. And so I created this program in partnership with the Charlotte Media Group. And I write a column. I, we take the nominations. I have a team of judges. And um, they, they award an ordinary angel. Um, and they are recognized at a signature event. So we, every nominee ultimately gets written up and put in the um, South Charlotte Weekly. And then every quarter we honor an angel. And so it's an opportunity just to find those folks that live selflessly and and um, for the good of others and the greater good of the community to have some sort of recognition. I love that. Um, and I knew there was this kindred spirit between us and I couldn't figure out what it was, but the storytelling and the journalism, I love that. So this is Pamela Escobar. You're listening to Do Good Charlotte. After the break, you'll hear more about an upcoming Give Love Breakfast and the many ways you can get involved. How many servings of fruits and vegetables should you be eating? This is a 60-second wellness tip powered by Ortho Carolina. The magic number is five. 
Three servings of vegetables and two servings of fruits have been connected to lower risk of certain cancers, stroke, and heart disease. Fruits and vegetables are a great source of essential vitamins and minerals in addition to plenty of fiber to maintain a healthy gut and reduce the risk of colon cancer. And they're high in vitamin C and potassium. If five servings seems like a lot, consider starting your daily vegetables with your first meal of the day. Snack on fruits and vegetables instead of whatever your current go-to snacks are. Use vegetables as the main ingredients in other dishes like baked goods and chili. And whenever you can, get fresh vegetables, especially in the summer when they are in season. This has been your 60-second wellness tip powered by Ortho Carolina, official team physicians of the Carolina Panthers and proud sponsor of the Queen City Podcast Network. For more tips or to make an appointment, visit orthocarolina.com. So what do you want people to know about the Give Love Breakfast event that's coming up? Well, Give Love is so much fun because Give Love is a product of what we call hopeful holidays. And it's actually intentionally spelled H-O-P-E-F-U-L-L. It's full of hope during this holiday season. It is hosted by Red Ventures and... We have a brunch for our families, and it's a great time of food, fellowship, family, and fun. And basically, we are responding to feedback that we got from the community. And the community said, we want more interaction with your families. And so we sent up an expo. And the expo is this, that people can buy a table for $30 and do a craft and play a game or provide some activity for our families so that they can have a hopeful holiday at the Give Love Expo. And so some people are, somebody is coming to teach CPR, somebody is doing a craft, somebody's making ornaments, somebody's uh, doing a, a little spa treatment there. So so people are giving how they can, giving of themselves, and they're going to do something that they absolutely love and do it for our families. At the same time, there will be other stations there that Red Ventures has put up, and that may be, may be games, it may be entertainment, but it's like a, a mini little winter wonderland of fun and fellowship for our families while we gather together and take pictures with Santa and just enjoy this season together. So what I like about the event, too, from base, based on the website, was that People can pay to attend if they want to. Mm-hmm. They can also be a volunteer mm-hmm. or be a giver. Is that being a vendor too? Or what is the difference between being a giver and a vendor? Being being a vendor is somebody who comes and has a table. Okay. If you're a grateful giver, then you're supporting the event itself. Okay. And so the grateful giver, those funds would go towards a family that has a specific need. And in this time and place, as we know lots of crisis or needs will bubble up. And so that goes into a pot to help our families during the holiday season. So, and I was going to say, so the funds that are for attendance, does that cover the event or is it beyond that for for the families? Like what you said, if, if a crisis comes up or if they need anything, how does it work? Well, it works like this. It, it, it's like we have this big pot of care. And so it all goes into the care fund and the care pot. Like, for example, we got a call last night that one of our families has a daughter in crisis. And so 
she was rushed into the hospital. So there's a level of support that occurs. And we will find out, we'll define what that is. It may be running meals. It may be going up to the hospital. It may be bringing mom a love tote of items they need. And so we pull from that care pot. So for the holidays, it goes into that care pot, and then we pull from that and support our families. Great. And at the same time, they're having an event where they get to just enjoy themselves and maybe forget whatever they're going through at the Absolutely. moment. Absolutely. And, and what we find is that our, our families crave fellowship. And the fellowship with other families, regardless of the difference in diagnosis, is so valuable because our families can talk about how they handle situations, what's been effective for them, how they celebrate, how they may feel awkward about something, some of their challenges. But our families are each other's largest support within our care program. Or the crazy things that people who aren't going through their process say to them while they're going through it. So it's hard to know what to say, but these are all people who are going through the same thing, similar things. Absolutely. And, and our families and their, and, and their children, their children who have the diagnosis and the siblings, because we take care of the entire family, all feel unconditionally loved. We don't care what you look like. We don't care what your diagnosis is. We don't care what your bandage is. We don't care what your scar is. We don't care what your journey is. We're here to love on you. That's it. No judgment, all inclusion. And so, I, ha- so you find your families through the social workers. Is that what it is, or ha- has it changed over time now? Because it is. I mean, it's been a- ten years. Next year will be our tenth. Okay. We, we measure ourselves by our prom, our proms, because because the prom is was the impetus to to form the five hundred one c three. And what we have found over time is that families are our largest refers. Got it. Because families have friends, and they they want to introduce their friends to their sandbox family. And so that's been absolutely wonderful. And then, of course, social workers and churches and community organizations. And we find conversations just like this where somebody will say, well, I have a friend, and more often than not, that's it right there, I have a friend. And when people learn about what we do and how we do it, because it is really so different. We're not a one and done. We're, we're not going to help you this one time and then that's it. We're here for the long haul, when you need us, however you need us. And so when people learn about that and that we help the entire family, it's so unique that it becomes notable. And that can spread pretty quickly amongst yeah. families. So 5,000... Based on the website, Sandbox has humbly served more than 5,000 families in the greater Charlotte region and parts of South Carolina since 2011. So that is a lot of families. And so it's possible to be in the Sandbox since 2011? Yes. And what happened is, so so in December of 2010, that's when our our Christmas initiative started. And then in 2011, we uh, had our first prom and formed the 501c3. And for five years, we chased numbers. Really? Because we, I really felt that I was supposed to do that. And then I I, think that's your business background, don't you think? mm -hmm. And then I had a certain awakening because I went back to my roots, meaning I went back to how my brother treated patients and how he treated them with a depth of relationship. 
And that was three years ago, and I realized that I needed to reorganize that because I want always want to honor his legacy and how he performed medicine. And that's when I formed the CARE program. So now instead of chasing numbers, I'm undergirding and I'm building a depth of relationship so that I know about that family, I know about the siblings, I know about the child's diagnosis, I know we have relationships with these families. And right now, currently, we have about 175 families in the CARE program. We're not chasing a number, rather we're building and undergirding deep, significant, impactful relationships. And when you made that change, what, what is, for you personally, what was that result? Well, the impetus was I went to a seminar, and the seminar really did not drive the change. It was something someone said at the right time. And the gentleman said, don't forget your why. And mm. it hit me. It just hit me in that time. And, and while I, I find that question can sometimes be cliche, I realized I, I was growing to a level of discomfort that I was chasing a number. And I realized that I had lost my why. So I, I brought it back. I, I spent several months interviewing families and, and physicians and psychiatrists and community members. I interviewed no less than 100 people personally. Wow. And I reformed the organization into the care program. And there is, outside of the wedding to my husband, there isn't anything in my life that brings greater joy than knowing that this care program does what it does for our families. So if people want to participate, you said they can go to their website. Mm -hmm. um, and, and just to reiterate, you can be a go-getter, you can be a volunteer. Can you up your level of involvement if it's more than just once in a while? Like, how, What's the best way to, to, to get involved? Sure. The best way to get involved is to go to our website, gutsandbox.org, and sign up on the go-getters, and then fill out that form so we can read about you and see who you are and what you would like to do. We have personal conversations with everybody who writes in. In fact, recently a woman wrote in and she had an incredible story. She had a daughter with a diagnosis previously. Her um, young baby had brain cancer. Her young daughter is now 20 years old. She's um, worked in the nonprofit space. She's been a marketing professional. She's worked all across the board. She's a perfect candidate for my leadership board. Mm. And so we've had significant conversation, and she understands the journey because she's the parent of a child who had a diagnosis. And so she's hopefully rolling on our, our leadership board. And so we sometimes say that we're the match.com of the charity world, meaning we look at people's gifts and talents, and, and we say to them, how do you want to give of yourself? And, and people are really pretty comfortable with saying that. So, for example, if you're a writer and you write all day and you come to us and say, I, really, I don't really want to write, I want to be social or I want to cook or I want to do X, Y, Z or I want to help you with partnerships or I want to be on a team like your leadership team where you're driving and you're steering and you're helping to navigate this organization, then, then we place people in the right seat. And we help people define that seat. And sometimes people sit in a seat for a year and then say, you know what, I want to sit in this seat. And so we hope that people give from a place that they're happiest. 
And so if people will go to our website and sign up, then um, we will get to know you and make you part of our tribe and make recommendations on where to start or at least experience the sandbox. It sounds simple, the thought process of what you're saying, but in practice, it also sounds very time-consuming. So both figuring out what the giver wants to give and then what the receiver needs because people don't necessarily know what they need either, right? Mm -hmm. So how does... How do, you, how do you teach people to have these conversations? I, you, I'm sitting across from you. I would tell you anything. I can, I can just tell that that's just your personality. But you have to have a team. So how do you teach people to be empathetic the way that they need to follow that care program? Mm-hmm. And, that's, and that's really the, the gift right there. So we... We have people on our team that come from special education backgrounds, teaching backgrounds, and and I think that people sometimes just walk in the door with an empathetic nature. And so from that, we can grow. But if people walk in the door and say, I want to serve, and we understand from what place they want to serve, we have so many needs. It's the ultimate project management charity. That's what it is. <laughs> because it really is putting the right pieces in the right parts and putting that all together. And, I, and we always see that ultimately, not to be desensitized, but as project management. Here's the need. Here's the resource. How do we match that up? Right. And so I, may, I make it sound easy, but that's really the body of it right there. Oh, I don't think it sounds easy. I, I think it takes a special person to have the vision and then also have the ability to put put it in place mm-hmm. and and you you have two I mean in your background what you're saying is yes you have the inspiration from your brother but then also your management skills you already had that so it's sort of combining all of that and and we get the sandbox and 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 a great team mm-hmm. I have a great team and and we've been able to mobilize a community of people. For example, like the go-getters, there are some go-getters that come every single meeting and that come, you know, that that reach out to us and say, I have time, I want to help more. We have a plethora of people that have been with us. I've got volunteers that have been with us for nine years. We've got people that consider themselves go-getters but have been with us for nine years, eight years, seven years. And so you cannot scale something unless you're able to mobilize that depth of the community. And, and we need more. If, if we're going to continue to grow relationships, we need more volunteers. We need more people who say, I want to help. I want to jump in. I want to be a part. I want to be a member of this care tribe. Yeah. And, and the families that benefit, I mean, it, it changes lives, right? It, it does. In fact, I'm preparing for our end-of-the-year meeting, which is this Thursday night, and I reached out to one of our moms, and she was one of the first moms I met in the sandbox, probably, like, family number 10, number 20. And her son was at our first prom, and she found out when he was in utero that he was going to have special needs. And so he was sick ever ever since the, the minute he was born. And his name is Thomas. And Thomas passed, I believe, three or four years ago. 
And after his passing, she wrote the sandbox a letter. And as I was preparing for the meeting, I pulled the letter out, and the letter spoke about the family that she calls the sandbox and the trinkets and the motorcycle riders that came and the volunteers who dropped off the love packets and how we honor his anniversary. We just sent her a pair of earrings and they are, they are, she said, these are jacked up. <laughs> and, and they are, they're like really, they're, they're really fancy and, and she feels really pretty in them. And she t- sent a picture to me, but just reading that letter and knowing that she can safely come to the sandbox. She can speak about Thomas. Thomas is honored every year when we release that white balloon at prom. She comes to our family events, and she talks so openly about Thomas. And reading that letter, it's a full-page letter, just about the impact that this family called the sandbox had on her life, not only then, but over these past years. And I apologize, he passed away six years ago. And so we had him for three years in the sandbox. And so just reading that is just very humbling to know that that this mom said, look at what the sandbox has done for me. And you can't help but not feel impacted and feel joyful by that. And so I would just encourage that anybody that's wondering do I have purpose or can I help or can I do something meaningful whether it's the sandbox or somewhere else give somewhere where you live give of yourself yeah and find that why Mm -hmm. thank you so much for coming and talking with us do you know someone else like Mara, who is doing good in our community, let me know. Tell me about someone or a nonprofit organization that should be heard on Do Good Charlotte. Reach out to me, Pamela Escobar, on social media. I'm Reporter Pam on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Or go to the Queen City Podcast Network page and fill out the contact form for Do Good Charlotte. There's good all around us. Let's hear about it. I'm Pamela Escobar. Thanks for listening to Do Good Charlotte on the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. <laughs>